Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Trenton Moss, an emotional intelligence expert. Trenton is the co-founder of Team Sturker and is also a published author with Human Powered, and today we'll focus on everything emotional intelligence and how we can build more compassionate, human-focused organizations. Welcome to today's podcast, Trenton. Morning, Trenton. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Really looking forward to this conversation on a topic that is absolutely vital within our organisations, and that is emotional intelligence. So I just want to kick off the conversation by really what does emotional intelligence mean for you and why is it so important? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, essentially, emotional intelligence, it's, it's all about understanding other people and where they're coming from and understanding yourself and where you're coming from. So the first part of it, understanding other people, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the working world has changed so much in the last few years. It's, you know, the silos are being broken down. We're not working as individuals. It's all about collaboration. It's all about working within teams. We're interdependent on each other. So being able to work well with other people is one of the most important things nowadays in the world of work. And emotional intelligence is, is at the core of that. Well, at least that's the part about understanding other people. But also being able to understand yourself is super important. So we, we often don't know what we don't know about ourselves, And really understanding what motivates you, how you like to communicate, the impact that you might have on other people in terms of your behavior and your communications, learning about that is at the core of emotional intelligence. And if you do learn these things, again, your performance at work can just increase so much because you're able to work so much better with teams. And one of the things that I'm going to ask you shortly about is how we hire emotionally intelligent people and how we go mm. about that process. But do you believe that emotional intelligence is ingrained in the individual or is it something that can be can be learned? It, it, like with any skill, it's both. So some people have a natural tendency and a natural ability when it comes to emotional intelligence and other people you know, struggle uh, a, a little bit with it. Like with every skill, it can be learnt. So as an individual, if you're willing to learn, you can improve at it. And we've got L&D um, experts listening to this podcast often as well, because it obviously ties in so intrinsically with well-being. How can a learning and development program support someone? And what would that learning development program look like to build those skills in individuals when it comes to EI? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's, it's, it's hard and it's a long-term thing. So getting your organization as a whole to have high levels of emotional intelligence if you're starting at a low base uh, can take can take many years depending on the leadership and the scale of the organization and the desire to change um, assuming that people at the top and in particular the ceo um, places a lot of importance on this that's a great start and like with any kind of skills program or behavior change you want to have a top down and a bottom up approach it's a kind of a two-pronged attack so if, if your senior leadership team aren't creating psychological safety within the business and if the, their behavior and their communications make it very clear that they're lacking in emotional intelligence, then you're not going to get anywhere. It's never going to work. So um, you know, start off with your top-down approach and really work on those guys first. Um, and in particular, what helpful interventions for the senior leadership is to, is to have executive coaching and to have that coaching with, a, with an objective of helping them to learn about themselves and to learn about the impact that their behavior and their communications have on other people. Um, so that's a great start. Um, then it's about kind of 
defining your culture and your ways of communicating and what it means to be a member of, of, of your organization uh, from a kind of communications and behavior perspective. So that sets out the, um, the expectations for people. And ideally with the coaching, that will help to get the senior leaders moving more towards that. And then you start with your bottom-up approach. And then it's about hands-on training for other members of the organization in giving them these kind of skills in um, in emotional intelligence, it it can emotional intelligence can be learned and it can be trained. Um, it just takes time. And I think that's really important that when I look at wellbeing initiatives, a lot is placed upon the individual. Um, and actually, one of the biggest things is is the environment and are the conditions right for the individual to thrive. And if we can get that bit right, then we can focus on the individuals going forwards as well. So that, that really resonates with me. Now, I mentioned that I was going to mention recruitment, and it's one of the biggest challenges that all businesses face. Um, the great resignation is something that I'm sure you're aware of at the moment as well. And retaining the talent is just as important, if not more important than recruiting the talent as well. So how can we retain and recruit through building more emotionally intelligent workforces? And when it comes to recruitment, how can we recruit um, emotionally intelligent people? Yeah, yeah, and really important because, again, if you want to kind of create and nurture this culture of psychological safety, uh, well-being, uh, and emotional intelligence, um, then retention and recruitment are key to help that keep going. Um, I'll start with retention. I mean, it's a kind of upward spiral. It's a cycle. So if you have an organization that's really supportive of the people where the organization scores high in emotional intelligence, where well-being is clearly important to the business, not just in words, not just in a few documents that someone in HR has written, but from the behavior and communications that come direct from the leadership. And if you've got that in place, then all other things being equal, you're more likely to retain your team because people obviously feel like their well-being is looked after and they feel like they're able to grow and develop as a person. Because if you're able to develop your emotional intelligence, you're going to be growing, you're going to be developing, and you're going to get additional skills and learnings about yourself that you can apply at work, but also that you can apply in your personal life. And again, outside of work, the greater your emotional intelligence, the more likely your relationships are to flourish. So that's retention. Um, when it comes to recruitment, I mean, yeah, kind of obviously, really, you, you've just got to kind of recruit around that stuff. You see, hard skills can be trained and emotional intelligence can be trained. Um, hard skills are generally easier to train. And so hiring people around their attitude and their levels of emotional intelligence, I think is a really good thing. Um, because those hard skills can be trained. And the way you do it is essentially there's, there's many kind of quizzes out there and tests out there to understand how well someone generally um, uh, understands themselves. Um, and through the questions that you ask in the interviews and any kind of assessments that you set them, uh, you know, really think about you know, how are they contributing to the team here? Are they talking about I, what I've done, or are they generally talking about we and what we, the team, have done? In terms of people managers, we know how important emotional intelligence is um, and supporting the psychological safety, as you mentioned. What do we need to be able to train and to support people managers in becoming emotionally intelligent as well? Well, again, it's, 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 very, it's very similar to what I kind of talked about with leaders. Well, first of all, people managers, generally speaking, tend to score quite highly in emotional intelligence. Because someone who's attracted to that kind of role, um, you tend to be a people person. Um, so you tend to be more about relationships than kind of getting things, than, than necessarily just focusing head down, get things done and less interested in people. 
So again, for people managers to kind of improve your skills in emotional intelligence, it is those kind of things, as I mentioned before, it is about doing executive coaching, helping you to learn about yourself, learn about the way you communicate, learn about your strengths, learn about your values, learn about the impact you have on other people. And then also kind of training programs um, around you know topics to do with emotional intelligence, and in particular, empathy skills, and how to kind of assume the best of intentions in other people and get to the root cause of why someone's behaving a certain way rather than just like looking at what's going on on the outside and, and making judgments. And in terms of people managers getting recruited into people management and especially hiring within, do you sometimes find that people are hired upon the skills that they've done within that job rather than actually they would be really effective people managers? Because there may be people that are performing less so um, below that people manager role that don't get recruited into the people manager position um, because they're not as good at the technical side of things, but actually they have that emotional intelligence. Is that something that you found um, before and, and you think is really important? Yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. People are often recruited based around their hard skills, um, but it's your people skills that help you to succeed in your role. So there's a really interesting study by, um, a joint study by Stanford and Harvard universities, and they found that 85% of job success comes from well-developed people skills. Yet we seem to spend so much time and focus on our recruitment around the hard skills, and that's a mistake. Interesting, interesting. And when it comes to your background, you've worked in the Samaritans um, as, as a volunteer supporting people in crisis. What are the skills that you've learned that you've been able to transfer across in the future um, to being able to help people in, in this arena now? Yeah, no. So, I mean, I, I actually think, I think kind of like kind of um, uh, conscription where everyone has to join the army. I kind of feel like there should be conscription for the Samaritans and everyone should have to kind of go work on the phones there for a year because the skills you can develop in terms of, you know, getting your emotional intelligence to be so much higher I mean, there's there's nothing better than, than that for it. Um, I mean, bear in mind when I was in this month, I had quite a bit of background in this stuff already. But what it what it really brings you is the ability to empathize and able to do listening at a level that most people can't do. And there are certain things you can do when you're listening to really get the other person talking and to draw out what is really going on. So often people, people will often talk at a kind of superficial level and then as trust increases and they feel their psychological safety, um, they'll then go into a bit more depth. Sometimes though, they don't really know what's going on deep within. And again, there are listening skills that you can use to really help people work out what it is that they've got going on. And so if you were to do the Samaritans, you'd, you'd get those kind of skills. I mean, your, your empathy skills would just naturally go into overdrive doing that. I love the concept of people going through that um, as well. Um, and it's something I might actually talk to our team about because um, those listening skills are absolutely vital, as, as you've mentioned. And just to wrap off the, the podcast today, what's your number one tip when it comes to building uh, emotionally intelligent organizations? If there's one thing our listeners can take away today, what would that be? I think if there's one quick action that you want to do, I think it's kind of like what I said before. You've got to assume the best of intentions in other people. And so if you can put that into your core values as a business and get that really going as a, as a thing, we always assume the best of intentions. Um, I think that has a big impact. There's a really there's a really interesting story around that actually by um, 
uh, there's a tribe in Southern Africa called the Babemba tribe. And, and they have this at the core of their kind of culture. So whenever someone commits a crime or a misdemeanor, uh, everyone in the tribe forms a circle around that person. And that person's done something wrong. But what everyone does is they take it in turns to tell that person all the good things that he or she has done. And this goes on for quite a long time because everyone in the tribe has to speak. Um, and then at the end, they all have a big celebration. The person's welcome back. So even though this person has committed you know, some kind of misdemeanor, everyone still assumes they have the best of intention. They don't focus on the kind of the bad behavior or the negative impact of what that person did. They focus on that person's positive intentions and their positive contribution. And in my experience in, in the workplace, 99% of people, 99% of the time, if not more than that, have the best of intentions. And when someone behaves in a certain way or communicates in a certain way that has a negative impact on you, that their objective wasn't to have a negative impact on you. And most of the time, they wouldn't even be aware that they did that. Um, and it certainly wasn't what they wanted to do. Their objective was something else. And what we often end up doing is we see, you know, that tip of the iceberg and we make a judgment based on that. And actually, there's so much going on below. And if we just entered into every conversation and every interaction, assuming the best of intentions in other people, it's amazing what opens up then. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Trenton. Cool. Thanks. Thanks so much. Cheers, Aaron. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.